Thanks for joining us online today. If you would like to join the conversation, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. My name is Matt Keller. I am the lead pastor here of Next Level Church. I want to welcome all of our services at Plantation and at Gateway Campus. Also, uh, welcome to our online audience. Man, so pumped that you're participating with us this weekend. And guys, before we get started, let me just uh, let me just say a word about something you heard us mention just a moment ago in the link. And that is that uh, we have the privilege, Next Level Church, uh, uh, next weekend of having Dr. Wes Stafford with us, who is the former president and CEO of Compassion International, a worldwide ministry that is literally impacting millions of children and their families, lifting them out of poverty. And uh, Dr. Stafford has uh, had been the guest of former President George W. Bush, former uh, uh, British Prime Minister Tony Blair, Bono. I mean, this guy is somebody, and he only speaks in about six churches a year. And we are one of them. What up? You guys, it's going to be incredible. So listen, whatever plans you had for next weekend, good news, they just got canceled. Make sure you're here. For real, make sure you're in one of our eight services happening at either one of our campuses, Plantation Road Campus or our Gateway uh, Boulevard Campus. So make sure that you are participating with us next weekend as we have Compassion Weekend and Dr. West Stafford with us. It's going to be incredible. You, well, you guys, this is part three of our Love Thy Neighbor series. And man, hasn't this been just an incredible, incredible series? Over these last two weeks, it's been so much fun to just hear so many of you who are talking about what God's done and, and just kind of sharing your story with us, this whole and one thing I love, love, love that it's catching on, that it's really connecting in our hearts. To hear so many of you who are going to Discover Part 1 and Discover Part 2, man, make sure you do that. If you've never been to Discover, that's your next step. I love it, I love it, I love it. I love the fact that Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he added an and one. And love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what this series is all about. Well, this weekend, in Part 3... I actually want to flip this, and the reason why I want to flip this whole idea of love thy neighbor on its head is because Jesus did. See, when, when we study the, the life and teachings of Jesus, we discover that he did command us to love our neighbor as ourself, but in, in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is really one of the largest, single greatest collections of Jesus' teachings when he was on earth, that we find in Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus flips this whole love thy neighbor thing on its head. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in the book of Matthew, but it's also found in the book of Luke. And so we're actually going to be looking in both directions this weekend because uh, I want us to, to look at Jesus' teaching concerning this idea of not just loving our neighbor, but loving our enemies as well. 
Like, you can feel the excitement. Oh, good, Pastor Matt. Yes, I was hoping you'd talk about loving our enemies. Said no one ever. Look, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand that when we hear love thine enemies, right, we're like, seriously, bro? Like, right? I I understand. But here's the deal. If Jesus talked about it, then so should we. And so that's what we're doing this weekend, you guys. Look at this. Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus kicks this thing off. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 45. Here's what it says. Jesus teaching. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that, look at this part, you may be children of your Father in heaven. When you came into your service this week and you were handed a bulletin, reach down, grab that bulletin, pull out inside of there a slip of paper with four fill-in-the-blanks. Four fill-in-the-blanks. I want you to follow along with my train of thought because there are four ideas that I want us to, we've got to get a hold of. Four ideas this weekend concerning this idea of not just loving our neighbors, but loving our enemies as well. And here's the first one. Number one, write this down. We have to understand that the standard of the world back then and today says love your neighbor and hate your enemies. That that is the standard of the world we live in. It was true in Jesus' day, and it's true in our day as well. Jesus talks about it. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor. Okay, all right, we got that. And hate your enemy. Jesus said that is the standard of the world. The world we live in, and it's still true today, isn't it? Says, you know what? People who like you, you like them back. The people who don't like you, people who are your enemies, you know what? Here's permission to hate them. You get them. If somebody's mean to you, you be mean back. If someone's holding a grudge against you, you hold a grudge back. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That is the standard of the world. But did you catch it? What he says, he says, no, 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 listen, I, I want to, that's the standard of the world. But he says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Children of God don't act like children of the world. Jesus flips this thing on its head and says, no, 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 listen, the standard of the world might be love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But if you're going to call yourself a children of God, then the standard has to be different for you. My, my wife and I uh, have two boys. If you've been around next level, you know that. Will is 15 and Drew is 12. And ever since the time they were young, I mean, like, able to talk kind of deal. And I've, I've always said, you know, as soon as I can treat my kids like staff members, that they talk and talk back, which is what staff members do, I, I'll, parenting will be a lot easier for me. And it's true. It was. Like the minute my kids started talking and talking back, I'm like, oh, all right, now I can deal with you. Okay? But the whole like poopy diapers and just yelling and screaming and crying bit, like I don't know. Like people, like they, they're like, Matt, got any advice? We just had a baby. I'm like, no. Hold your breath. I don't know what else to tell you. But ever since our kids, you know, were, were able to interact, as long as I can remember, for us, there's, whenever, you know, from time to time they'd say something or they'd do something or they'd act a certain way or they'd come home from school or wherever and they'd say, well, my friend does or my friend's family, they don't have to. Here's what we would say to them. And we still do it today. From time to time, whenever this kind of a scenario would pop up, we would look at our kids and we'd say, you know what? We're not going to do that. 
Kellers don't act that way. Kellers don't talk that way. And for a couple of reasons. One that I'm going to explain in a second. But two, because as a pastor, there's this, there can be this thing growing up in a pastor's home that we've wanted to make sure that our kids never feel, which is, oh, well, the pastor is held and his family are held to a different standard. Oh, well, we don't do that or say that or go there because we're pastors. No, 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 no. Listen, this has nothing to do with the fact that we're in ministry or not in ministry or pastors or not, but whatever. No, no, no. Listen, we're Kellers and Kellers don't act that way. I don't care if all your friends are doing it. I don't care if your friends' families allow that in their home. In this home, we're Kellers, and we don't act that way. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, the world says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm telling you, if you want to be called a child of God, children of God don't act that way. Children of God have a different standard that we function by. Luke chapter 6 is another kind of camera angle on the Sermon on the Mount. Check this out. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, Jesus talking, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Okay, right there. That's where I take issue with Jesus teaching right there. I'm just telling you as a shirt guy This is a hard one lord I mean, I'll give him a shirt But can it like can it be from the back of the closet? Like really like the shirt i'm wearing like I have to the shirt off my back really Verse 30 look Give to everyone everyone who asks you and if anyone takes what belongs to you Do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Number two, write this down. Jesus raises the bar by telling them to love our enemies as well. Jesus raises the standard. He says, listen, you've heard. That the standard of the world is love your neighbors, those who you like and agree with, and hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, there is a different standard for people who are my followers. There is a different standard for children of God. And it is that we are called to love our enemies, not just our neighbors. And here's my thing. Like, I wish Jesus would have just stopped at love your neighbor, or love your enemies. Like I could do, like right, like we could do that. You know why? Because because if Jesus had just stopped at love your enemies and not expounded it on all this shirt and coat and one cheek and turn the other cheek stuff, we could have done that. You know why? Because because in our mind we could basically kind of figure out a couple of generic like haters in our life, right? Like a couple generic like enemies, right? Like like the lady at the tax office. We could label her a hater be like, all right, Lord, I'll love the IRS people, right? Like we could, like we could do, or the HOA who won't let you plant the bushes you want in the back of your house because it wouldn't, it would, it would, it would hurt the, the, you know, the, the neighborhood. Okay. Let me tell you what's hurting the neighborhood. Your stinking rules are hurting the neighborhood, right? 
Like, we, like if, if Jesus had just said, love your enemies, then we could have come up with a couple of generic haters, labeled them enemies, and said, all right, Lord, I'll love my HOA. I got it. And been off the hook. But he didn't do that. He expounded on it. He took it way beyond just generic, yeah, a few people out there are going to offend you. They're your enemies. Love them. That is not really who Jesus was talking about. This is hard teaching, Next Level Church. This is, ha- this is deep, by the way. This is hard. That we're not just called to love our neighbor. That we're called to love our enemy, which begs the question, well, then who's our enemy? Look at verse 27 again. Look at this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. And then he starts to break it down. Do good to those who hate you. When you go back to the original language of Greek that this was written in, the word hate literally means someone who detests you. In other words, someone who spits in your face. Jesus says, if somebody detests you, if they hate you, if they spit in your face, you are to do good to them. He goes on, bless those who curse you. That word curse literally means someone who dooms you and wishes for your future demise. So that person in your life who is wishing that you will fail, who is hoping against hope that your life self-destructs and explodes. That is your enemy. And he says, when they curse you, when they doom you, when they hope you fall on your face in the future, you're to say, oh, bless you. This is hard. He goes on. Pray for those who mistreat you. That word mistreat, you know what it means? To hit you blow by blow as with a fist or with a hammer. Love your enemies. That's the command of Jesus. Who are our enemies? Our enemies, number three, are those who have harmed us, offended us, wronged us. See, Jesus says, listen, yes, love your neighbor, but you're also called as my children to love your enemies. You're to, you're, he takes it to a whole nother level. And he tells us that an enemy is someone who has purposely sought our demise, someone who's purposely sought our destruction, someone who has purposely sought our pain. People who have maliciously tried to do us and those who have offended us, those are our enemies. Now, here's what I think. I think that what's happening right now as I'm talking in all of our services this weekend, here's what I think. I think that so many of us are seeing the face of someone who has harmed us, who has hurt us, who has offended us, who's wounded us deeply, who has done us wrong, who has wished our demise, who has spit in our face. And I just believe so many of us are seeing someone's face right now. Maybe you're seeing the face of an ex-spouse who turned the kids against you. An ex-spouse who hasn't paid child support in years, maybe ever. 
and has no intention of. Maybe this weekend you're seeing the face of a business partner who stole from you. A business partner who took two-thirds of the client list and went across town and opened up a new shop and wiped you out. That's an enemy. Maybe you're seeing the face of an ex-colleague that ran your name through the mud and ruined your reputation. Maybe you're seeing the face of a friend who gossiped about you behind your back who turned your entire friend group, your your whole peer group against you. It's an enemy. Some of us are seeing the face of a boyfriend who left you pregnant. Some of us are seeing the face of a relative who spread lies about you to the whole family or a coworker who's working overtime now make your life hard at work. Someone who is working overtime, trying to sabotage you at every single term. That is an enemy. And Jesus commands us to love them. This is hard. Look what he says next, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And, it, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Look what he says. Even sinners do that. There's, listen, there's no credit for that. Like that's, that's the minimum standard. And even the world does that. Jesus says, verse 34, if you lend to those that you expect repayment from, what credit? Even, even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything in return. Then your reward will be great. Here's what's in it for you. Then your reward will be great. Then, and you'll be children of the Most High. And then he tells us why. Jesus breaks it down right here. He says, listen, here's the reason why. Because he, speaking of God, is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. God, our Father, is kind To those who are ungrateful, to those who are wicked, be merciful, Jesus says, just as your father is merciful. Look what Matthew says. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, that word perfect there doesn't mean like perfection, like without flaw, like no mistakes, like not the way we think of perfect. The word perfect there literally means fully mature. Fully mature. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, the path to maturity and life are found in loving our neighbors. That's what Jesus says. 
Next level church, listen, the path to maturity. If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if we're going to be mature in our faith, the path to maturity and life is loving our enemies. Love not just your neighbor. Love your enemies. This is not an easy command, is it? See, the easier path would be to take the standard of the world and listen, I will love my neighbor. Amen, brother. And one, I got it. But those people who have done me wrong, those people who have offended me, I'm going to hold a grudge. I'm going to, I'll never let them forget. See, here's, here's the thing. Jesus made us a promise in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. And we love to celebrate the promises of God, don't we? Like, we love to celebrate the promises of God. But this is a promise that Jesus made to us that we do not love to celebrate. Look at this promise. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. This is Jesus talking. He said to his disciples, offenses uh, will certainly come. Woo! Yeah! Let's celebrate that promise. Lord, I'm so, God, I just praise you that I'm going to be offended and hurt over and over and over again in my life. Said no one ever. But this is a promise of God. Jesus said to his disciples, that's us, offenses will certainly come. It's not if, it's not might, it's not maybe, they will come. It is a promise of Jesus that in this life, you and I will have people who hurt us, who cause us pain, who stab us in the back, who offend us. Offenses will come, Jesus said. And those people, by virtue of the pain they cause, the offense they bring, will become our enemies. And I'm going to talk after Easter. I have an entire weekend planned where I want to talk about how there's this strategy and a path that Jesus lays out for us on how we forgive those who have offended us. But, but here's, here's the first step. Here's, for this weekend, here's what you got to know. How do we love our enemies? Here's how we have to forgive. We have to forgive. Jesus said offenses will certainly come. And then look at the second part. But woe to those through whom they come. Jesus gives a warning to those who cause offense to his children. He says, woe to those that they come through. Here's what I think. I think it's possible that so many of us who are listening this weekend have been offended. And right now you can, you're picturing in your mind's eye that person harmed you, who wounded you, who caused you pain. Jesus would say to you this weekend, love your enemy. That person who has hurt you, who has wounded you, who has offended you, it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. It's time to As I was praying over this weekend, here's, here's what I, I felt. See, I felt like there was so much, some, some of us who are here this weekend, you have such a desire in your heart 
to be used by God. You have such a desire in your heart to see the Holy Spirit flow through your life and to move in your life. But you feel like you've, like you've hit a lid, like you feel like you can't break through, like you feel like you can't. Like, let me, let me show you this, okay? So this is a garden hose, okay? It's a small one. It's a piece of one, but it's a garden hose, okay? Watch this. Some of you, feel th the purpose of this garden hose is for water to, to come through it, to shoot through it. That's the purpose of the garden hose, that the water flows through it, that it is a channel for the water to flow through. That's our life. God's desire is that you and I would be channels, conduits, that he c his spirit can flow through to impact our world. And God wants to flow through your life, just like he, we want water to flow through this hose. But here's the thing. Some of us, listen, when we hold on to offense in our hearts, it is like we kink the hose. And if you've ever done that to a hose, here's what you know. You know that for a little while, the water will come out and the flow will kind of lessen and lessen and lessen. But eventually, if you leave that kink in the hose long enough, eventually it'll just be a little dribble. It'll, and eventually it will stop completely. The flow will stop. Why? Because there's a kink in the hose. Now watch this. Here's what I think. I believe it's, it's that there are so many of us, and you want so badly to be used by God. You want to see God move in your life, but you feel like every time you go to pray, every time you go to worship, when you read His Word, like you, you feel like you're running in mud. Like you feel like you can't, I don't, I don't understand, like I can't seem to break through. And I would say to you this weekend, listen, Next Level Church, listen. You are harboring offense in your heart. There's a kink in the hose, and the flow of the Spirit will stop up in our life until we release that offense. And once we release the offense, the water of the Spirit will flow freely in our life. Some of you, you can't understand why the fruit of the Spirit is not growing in your life. Well, what am I doing? What am I not doing? God, what's going on? You've even asked the Lord that. God, I, how come I can't grow in love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness? Why can't I grow in the fruit of the Spirit? It's because the water of the Spirit has been stopped. There's a kink in the hose. And it's called offense. And when, they, when we kink the hose and we harbor offense and not forgive somebody, you know what? Instead of the fruit of the Spirit growing in our life, guess what happens? The, the works of the flesh start to increase in our life. And the answer, the solution is to forgive. When you and I forgive, we unkink the hose. And the Spirit of God is free to flow in our life again. So here's my question. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Haven't you held on to unforgiveness long enough? And I understand. Listen, some of you, you're, 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 think, you're listening to me and you're like, Matt, yes, but you don't understand. Man, you don't understand what he did to me. You don't understand what he did to my kids. And if I, if I forgive him, if I forgive her, then somehow I'm going to, it's like, it's like I'm condoning that behavior. It's like, it's like they got away with it. Listen, I understand how it can feel that way. But here's what we have to understand. When we harbor unforgiveness towards someone, we kink the hose, the flow of the Spirit. It's like we're drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Listen, there's a huge difference between forgiveness and trust. And you can give someone forgiveness and not give them trust. Those are two different things. I'm not saying you have to trust them again. That's earned over a long period of time 
What I am saying is, when we forgive, we unkink the hose, and we give the Spirit of God permission to flow freely in our life again. Are you ready to be set free? Are you ready to be set free? Jesus is ready to set you free. How are we set free? By loving our enemies. And what is love? The Apostle Paul talked about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the most famous passages of Scripture ever. It says this, if you hear it at every wedding, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. He's talking about the characteristics of love. Look at this. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Look at this one. It keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, love forgives our enemies. You need to forgive someone. Don't leave church the way you came. There's forgiveness available. Healing available. There's freedom available. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whatever service you're in right now, seated right where you are, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm going to ask you to put your hands in front of you. Maybe you want to just put them like this, like in, in a fist form. Okay, right where you are. Right. Where, if you need to, if you, if this is you, if you need to love your enemy, if you need to forgive an offense, okay. Here's what I want you to do. Come on, all over this, all over whatever room you're in. Come on, your auditorium. Listen, listen, just put, in, picture in your hands that offense. Maybe picture their face. Picture that person in your hands, okay? And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now. And when I say the word release, I want you to picture releasing. And I want you to open your hands and release that offense at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Okay, ready? Come on, if that's you, if that's you, come on, put your hands in front of you. Jesus, we come to you right now. And Lord, we are, we are working on this tough one, God. This is a tough command. But Lord, you wouldn't have commanded us if we couldn't do it. And so Jesus, right now, in this moment, God, we, we picture in our hands that offense, that hurt, that woundedness, that pain that has been caused by that enemy, that person. And Lord, we've been holding it so tight that we can't hold what you want to do. Lord, it has is, it is kinked the hose of our life. And Lord, we want your spirit to flow again. And so Lord, right now, Right now, Jesus, we release that person to you. We release them to you. We, re we release the anger and the hurt and the bitterness. We release the jealousy. We release, God, all of that offense and that pain that, that they have caused to us and to those we love. Lord, we release it. We put it at the foot of the cross knowing that you are the one who brings the woe to them. And so, Lord, you do the woeing, and so, Lord, we will do the releasing. And so, God, I pray you would set people free in the name of Jesus. Set us free this weekend. Set us free. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, we don't want to hold offense any longer. We want the fruit of the Spirit to grow again in our life. So God, as of this moment, we keep no record of wrongs. That is what love does, not just for neighbors, but for our enemies as well. And now, Jesus, I seal this deep, deep work that you are doing in the hearts of so many of us. 
Jesus, I pray that our countenance would begin to change. I pray that joy and peace like we haven't experienced in years would begin to flow in our life. God, I pray, God, that new fruit and new joy would just begin to spring up in our life. God, I pray that it would be noticeable. Lord, we don't ask for an external change. We ask for an internal change, knowing that it will affect the outside. And so, Lord, we just receive it, God. We just receive your healing. We receive your wholeness. God, you've called us to not just love our neighbors, but love our enemies. And we will do that. Lord, may we never be the same because we've unkinked vows. Lord, let your spirit begin to flow freely in our lives once again. Lord, I pray this in the name that is above every name, the name that has forgiven us so much. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everybody at every campus who agrees. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com, and help us bring you more messages just like this one every single week. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week.